read to you from uh, Matthew uh, chapter 5, verses 38 through 42, as we continue through the uh, uh, Sermon on the Mount. And before I read this text, Kevin alluded to it earlier when he was talking in the announcements, that this, these words uh, that Jesus speaks here probably are some of the hardest words in the Bible. And so, uh, in light of that, uh, before, before we read them, we, we really do need to pray. So, uh, join with me now in praying. Lord, we <clears throat> confess uh, our need for vengeance. We confess our drive for revenge and retaliation. And so, uh, Lord, I pray that you would um, uh, help us confess, repent, turn from that. Help us to be uh, clear about the power of the cross to uh, turn enemies uh, into friends. And I pray that uh, you would uh, do that work uh, in us. I pray that uh, the redeeming love that is ours in Jesus Christ would be the power uh, to, uh, to change all of us this morning. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So Matthew 5, 38 through 42, the text is in the bulletin also up on uh, the screens behind me. Uh, this is God's word. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So as you see, that's a pretty incredible text, isn't it? Pretty incredible demand that Jesus is making there. And so, you know, the, the tendency when we read a text like this is to immediately begin setting up all sorts of hedges and caveats, right? Well, he doesn't really mean what he said. He didn't, didn't really mean that. Let, let's interpret it. And, and, in, and, and in my particular situation, this doesn't mean what Jesus said it means. So let's just, let's just be clear about that right off the bat, that whatever else you may think about this passage and whatever caveats you want to put on it, Jesus is saying something. Can we just say that? He is saying something. And it seems to be in the direction of loving our enemies, and forgiving them, okay? So let's, and, and he's pretty uncompromising in the way he talks about that, right? I mean, that's, that, that's, that's what he's getting at here. So I think that's, uh, that's, that's pretty important for us to, uh, to begin as we think about that. However, um, let me just say that I have a big caveat about this that I want to uh, get out in front of us at the very beginning of this. Uh, and that is to those of us who are here today, who hear these words, who are the victims of trauma and abuse. Right? And to those who are here today who may be perpetrators of trauma and abuse. Um, I want to be careful as we think about this text today to those of you who are 
tempted or have been or uh, are uh, engaged in uh, uh, perpetrating abuse against the, those who around you who are weaker, God sees you. And to those of you uh, who are um, struggling today with monsters in your life, God sees you too. And so as we, as we think about this, you know, as particularly to those who perpetrate evil, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 tells us this, and that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. And so that's a good word for us uh, to think about uh, today, because one of the things that happens whenever we talk about a text like this uh, we, we have to be clear about uh, uh, what's happening. Obviously, Jesus is speaking to those of us and to all of us, really, who, when we have been injured, seek to retaliate for that injury. Uh, and he is instructing us, as we do that, about the nature of justice uh, and the nature of God's grace, the nature of the cross, the nature of the gospel, and then, then the way this works in God's economy. So I want to be clear about that uh, as, we, uh, as we begin uh, thinking about this this morning. Um, the other thing I want to say about this is, um, it is it is a good thing when you have been injured by someone else's sin. It is a good thing when you have been someone else's victim, that you want justice. That is an evidence of the image of God. That there's nothing, the, the desire for justice is a good thing. Our God is a God of justice. We shouldn't forget that. We shouldn't gloss over that, and we shouldn't act like that that is not, um, not a part of who he is and not a part of what he is working in the world. The problem with that for us is just like so many other things about the image of God and us, sin distorts that. And so what, at least initially, and the impulse there as an impulse for justice very quickly becomes something ugly, retaliation and revenge, right? And so we have to be, that's what, that's really ultimately what Jesus is getting at uh, in, in the text today, and what he's getting at is he, as he says this, and, and, and next week we'll talk even more and e- even further about love for enemies and that sort of thing, but that, that's, the, that's at, at the heart of what, of what he's getting at today as he, he talks about, uh, about this text. And so, so I, want us to, I want us to begin there as we, as we think, about that, um, uh, think about that this morning. That's, that's, uh, that's pretty important uh, for us to unpack. So Jesus begins by saying, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, the way we throw those words around uh, today, that sounds harsh, doesn't it? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That, that, uh, that, that sounds like there's no mercy in that. That sounds like that's just, you know, you, you get what, what's coming to you. And one of the things that you have to see about that in the context of the Old Testament and the way in which this worked itself out in the Old Testament people of God 
it, it actually was a merciful and, and, and gracious thing because what you see is this, uh, this, this, this principle of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth flows out of, and we see it manifest in uh, the chapters in Exodus right after the Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 20, God comes to Moses on Mount Sinai and gives him the Ten Commandments. And then the next several chapters after that are uh, kind of a manual on cases or things that might happen and how that law would be applied in the life of the people, right? So, so there's stuff in there about your ox falling in a... Uh, you dig a hole and you don't cover it up and somebody else's ox falls in it. What do you do about that? You know, I mean, the, you know, this kind of stuff that happens in your neighborhood. And so the, that's, that's exactly, that's exactly what, what, what he's, he's getting at here. Well, like for, for instance, in Exodus 21, it says, when men quarrel and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist and the man does not die, but takes to his bed, which if you hit me in the head with a rock, that's, yeah, I'd probably take to my bed for a while, right? And then if the man rises again and walks outdoors with his staff, he who struck him shall be clear, only he shall pay for the loss of his time and shall have him thoroughly healed. In other words, what, what, what they're getting at here is that <clears throat> uh, the justice that is manifest to us in God's character and in and through the Ten Commandments needs to be manifest in the way in which we deal with each other. And human beings confuse justice and revenge all the time. And so all of these things, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, actually limits what you can do. Like, if, in other words, if, if I knock your tooth out, you can't kill me for that. <laughs> do, do you, do you, do you see that? It might, you might be tempted to do that, but, but there's a limit on that. Yes, you did wrong, and yes, that needs to be redressed, but you, you don't redress it by overdoing it in the, in, in the response, right? And so, so that's exactly, when, when you think about this, you have to think about the, the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is actually kind of putting limits around human behavior and human justice and the way in which we deal with one another. And this is important because it, when you read it, it, at the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 4, there's all the, uh, the, the begats and, and, and all of that stuff. And when we read in the line of Cain, we come across this guy who's a descendant of Cain named Lamech. And Lamech is, is such a fascinating character to me. Uh, I, you know, I, I've, I've always read this, this passage and just thought, what, what, what kind of guy was Lamech? Um, well, anyway, uh, he says this to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Laman, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. In other words, Lamech is such a guy, such an aggressor, such a tough guy, such a don't mess with me kind of guy, right? That what is, if somebody wounded him, he killed him. If a young man strikes him, he kills him, right? And if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, Lamech is 77-fold. And that 77-fold should remind you of something that Jesus talked about. Remember, Peter comes to Jesus and Peter's like, you know, I'm a good guy. I'm willing to forgive somebody seven times. And, G and he's like, you know, I'm going to get Jesus to give me some strokes. Hey, Jesus, if my brother sins against me, I forgive him seven times, right? And Jesus is like, no, 
77, 77, 77, 77, right? It's like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a lot more than that, right? So, so what he's getting at is, you know, look, I, you know, if, if, if you got a little bit of revenge, sevenfold, I'm 77-fold. And I want to say something about this. I want to be very careful about how I address this. But, you know, Lamech's a tough guy, a braggadocious guy, an aggressive guy who, who uh, we read that and we think how terrible that is. But I wonder how many of us are attracted to the Lamechs in the world. Right? Especially if we get a tough guy who looks like us, shares our politics, and we kind of line up with him. We're like, I like that guy. Nobody's going to mess with him. There's nothing wrong with contending for your viewpoints or your policies or anything like that, but uh, Lamech is not our model. I don't want you to be Lamech's, okay? Lamech is bad. Let's be clear about that. He is a bad guy. We don't like Lamech, and we don't want to be like him, okay? That's not an option for followers of Jesus Christ to go around with a chip on their shoulders saying, you touch me, and I'm going to take a baseball bat to you, right? That, that is not the gospel. That's not, that's not, yeah. So let's, all right, I've, I've talked enough about that. So, um, so the so the fact so the fact is, um, an eye for an eye actually puts guys like Lamech in a bit of a bind. It limits what he can do, right? So, so let's be let's be clear about that. There's there's some proportional justice going on here, and that's that's the principle that that's at work here. But Jesus wants to take that and go even further with that. And so what he does is he uses these four examples, right? He says, "Don't resist." I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other one. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse to the one who would borrow. Now, now what we, we, we read about that, and you could kind of begin, some people, historically, Christians have taken these four examples and gone at them in a very wooden way, in a very, um, a very literal way to, 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 to go to extreme pacifism, to go to all of those sorts of things. I, I don't want to get into a long discussion about that today, but what I want you to see is that what Jesus is getting at here is less about how we... Uh, act as a society and as a culture, but what you do as an individual with the people who hurt you. How do you have a posture towards the people that you uh, feel like have injured you? And uh, how do you respond to that? And, and how, do you, how do you live with someone who has who's caused you an injury? Well, the first thing is, what Jesus is saying here is, is that retaliation is not an option. It's just not. That doesn't mean that justice is not an option, but retaliation is not. And so, so then, then what are we left with? What, what is it then? What is it that we can, can hope for? And especially this odd language here that where Jesus says, don't resist the evil person, because that, that just seems so counter 
to God's sense of justice, it seems counter to the text that we read from Jeremiah, right? That the Lord is a dread warrior. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble. They will not overcome me. So how do we think about that? How do, how do we get at that? Well, the first thing you have to see is, and the, what the scriptures go to over and over and over again, the New Testament does anyway, is Jesus in his final hours. You see Jesus being handed over into the hands of the evil people, right? What do they do to him? They mock him. They falsely accuse him. They spit on him. They smack him. They pull on his beard. They beat him, right? They insult him. They do all of these things. And Peter who was there when it happened. Remember, Peter's there in the courtyard of the high priest uh, that night when Jesus is arrested, says this to Christians who were suffering from persecution. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So in other words, what Jesus is doing and the example that he sets there for us uh, and what Peter wants us to get at is that when these things happen to us, we entrust ourselves into God's hands because we believe that God is good. We believe that he loves us. We believe that he holds our lives in his hands. and And we believe he is just. And we believe that he will uh, uh, act in justice and grace and mercy on behalf of his people. And so we trust him, right? And we entrust ourselves to him, right? But the thing that you have to see about this is when we hear this, we think, well, that just means Christians are just doormats and people are just going to stomp on us and, and, and all we can do is just take it. That's not true either, right? John Stott says this, Jesus' illustrations and personal example depict not the weakling who offers no resistance. Now, wait a minute. I thought he said that we weren't supposed to resist. Well, let's, let's unpack that. He himself challenged the high priest when questioned in court, right? He tells the high priest the truth. He, he you know, he, he uh, engages in, uh, in, in discussion with him. They depict rather the strong man whose control of himself and love for others are so powerful that he rejects absolutely every imaginable form of retaliation. I love retaliation. I love stories about retaliation. I love movies about retaliation. I just love it. I love it when a bad guy gets it in the end. You know, I just love it, man. It appeals to me. I, uh, yeah, it is, uh, yeah. One of my favorite lines in the Bible is, remember our father Jacob who stole the birthright from uh, his, his brother, his twin brother Esau. And we read about Esau's response to that that he comforted himself with thoughts of what he would do to Jacob. I'm like, you know, I got a lot in common with Esau. I comfort myself with a lot of bad thoughts. A lot. So many. So much. I 
But you see, what Jesus is doing here is he's giving us a whole different ethic, a whole different way to think about justice, and a whole different way to think about the way we deal with one another. Because when he says you don't resist the evil person, we don't resist them in the form of retaliation, but we do resist them in the form of loving them. And that we love them enough to tell them the truth, even as they are hurting us. And we love them enough to resist, to put them in a position where their sin against us is lessened, where they can't sin against us. That is loving the person who does that. Now, that, now the practical application of that becomes, becomes very, very difficult. But what we have to see is what's driving us in this is not that I want to get you back, but that I trust God with that and that my responsibility before the person who hurts me is to figure out a way to love them. And to love them may be resisting them, may be telling them, no, you are, you, you are believing a lie. You are acting on something that's not true. You are, you are not living up to what, <laughs> to what should be true of you, right? So what we do is, and that's what Jesus is getting at here, is that, that we end up in the end here seeking the welfare of the person who's injured us, not just not just in the sense that we want them put away, but what we want to see happen to them is we want to see our enemies turn to friends. Now, that's a tough one, isn't it? Right? And so what we want to see happen here and what the gospel does for us and what, what the early church experienced, right, was that they proclaimed the gospel that they were clear with one another, they were clear with the culture around them, but they never acted in a way that was retaliatory against their persecutors, just like Jesus. But it's not just that Jesus gives us the example to do that. He does, and then tells us to follow that example. But Jesus does more than that. He empowers us by his Spirit and by the truth of the gospel to begin to die to ourselves and our drive for retaliation to begin to find a way for redemptive love to reorient the enemy, to take the other and, and convict them of their sin and drive them to repentance. You know, one of, one of, the, one of the great stories in the Bible is the story of Jesus coming to see Zacchaeus, the wee little man. And we, we think of Zacchaeus as this cute, kind of funny kind of guy, but the people in Zacchaeus' village hated him because he was mean and he used his authority and his power to abuse people. And so when Jesus went, told him to come down from the tree, I'm going to go to your house today, people were not thrilled with that. And yet Jesus' kindness and grace to Zacchaeus turned him around such that he made restitution to those he had defrauded and stolen from. So what we, what we have here is that this, the, 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 the gospel of the kingdom is this thing that comes and takes people who are naturally our enemies and the love of God in the gospel resists 
this sin in them and reorients them away from being our enemies to being our friends. And so, how do we get there? How does this, how does this happen? Well, Peter's already told us that we entrust ourselves into the hands of the one who suffered for us. Because the beginning of understanding this starts with understanding that we too were enemies of God. It wasn't just that, that God looks at us and says, wow, they have, they have great potential, they just need a little help. <laughs> or let me, let me come down and do a few things here and just kind of get them across the finish line. No, we were his enemies. When we were sinners, when we were ungodly, Christ died for us. He took enemies and makes us his dear friends. And so as we come to the table today, we have an opportunity to be reminded of that and to be renewed in that, that Jesus Christ died, not just to forgive us, but to take those who were opposed to him and make us his friends. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus. They did as he had directed them and prepared the Passover. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's confess our sins together by using this confession uh, in the bulletin also up on the screens behind me. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, hear these words of encouragement. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. God. 